This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thank you, Sias. Hi, guys. How are you doing? It's good. Lekker, lekker. Oh, it's so awesome to see the faces that I've seen before in my life. Um, I love you guys and the people that I haven't seen, see, seen recently. Um, nice to meet you. I love you by forbot in advance because when we are in Christ, we've got a love and a connection with one another that um, you cannot put in words. So, um, yo, I'm very excited to be here. The screen, screen flickers. Sure, guys. So when I, when I went from student ministry and I started doing my work in Afrikaans, I, re, I had to concentrate really hard to speak Afrikaans because I was very used to speaking English. But now it's been about too extreme, a lot of Afrikaans speaking in two years. So if I go blah, 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 it is just an extra um, interpretation opportunity for you. It would have been a very quick tongue um, or me falling over my English. But do, do just intercede if you see I struggle because the Holy Spirit is here and he wants us to hear everything. He wants me to hear what he's got on his heart tonight and he wants you to hear what he's got on his heart tonight because what he says changes our lives and then it changes the people around us, their lives also. So that's why it's so important that we, when we see some, if you're an intercessor, if you're just a child of God and you see somebody who's preaching and you can see there's distraction going on, that's your cue, that's your red flag going, pray against distraction. When you see there's somebody that needs to get saved and you see they're more on their phone than listening, that's your cue, that's your like red flag, that's a very practical way of knowing, cool, you must intercede for that person, there's distraction happening here because hearing the truth by the Spirit of God that comes from Jesus will change and save a life. And after that, it will change and save other people's lives around that person. So let's just pray again. (laughs) Lord Jesus, I just commit every word, every thought, everything into your hands. Holy Spirit, I'm here for you and you alone, for the glory of Jesus to be made known tonight in this place as it is in the heavenlies. In Jesus' name, amen. So just want to start by saying that, wait, we must first do the two questions. Let's go. Okay, first question. I'm going to give you a question, and then you can turn to a neighbor. If you're not comfortable with turning to a neighbor, you can turn to your phone. That saves us these days in a lot of awkward situations, eh? Like, right back, it's just a phone. Ring, ring. I mean, um, I was prophetic. It was going to ring. I mean, what do you do in that situation? If you can't think of that joke. Obviously, you go red in your face. So you're going to turn to your neighbor now, and you're going to ask them, what are the things, one or two things that you do when there's a tough time? What do you run to? How, how do you run to it? Like, what do you do? Just one or two things. When you've got a tough situation, tough week, tough life, tough season, um, what do you do? Who do you go to? How do you do it? One or two things. You've got 30 seconds. Then I've got one more question. Other person's turn. The introverts are like, we're done, Mariette. And the extroverts are I'm like warming up. <laughs> I'm gearing towards number two. So, we, so we've got another question. One other question. And that is, is it difficult or hard for you when there's a tough situation or season to be open about it 
with your friends, with your people, with your community? Just a simple yes or no. You can elaborate if you want to. When you're going through a tough time and you're vulnerable, is it difficult or hard for you um, to share that with the people around you? Small group, roommate, family, any community, and why do you think it's tough or easy for you? Okay. You are welcome to continue these conversations afterwards, hey? Tomorrow is an off day for a lot of people, so potentially you've got a lot of time tomorrow. So before I, want to, before I start and continue with what we just started chatting about, by the way, that's supposed to say how to keep right when things go left. It's, it's, it's completely my fault, not the awesome dude typing it out. I was just very excited today and this afternoon about a million things and then I just went with wrong instead of left. But I like the whole how to keep right when things go left. So I just wanted to mention it to you because that doesn't make sense without the left. But anyway, Jesus knows and it's okay. So I want to say that it's an incredible privilege for me to be here tonight for two reasons. And number one is... The only reason I'm standing here is because I know God the Father through Jesus Christ, his son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an incredible privilege for me. And with that, I just want to say, if you and I, if we are not thankful every day, every whenever we think about it, for the fact that we get to know God, we get to be reconciled through Jesus Christ, then we are standing on a very, very slippery space along the mountain which will go downwards and not upwards. But when we are thankful, when we remind ourselves, wait a minute, what happened? The sin came in, brought separation. Jesus Christ paid the perfect price so that I can say yes to him and the love of the Father forever. The automatic response is thankfulness. And that will keep you from a, from a bunch of lies, keep you from um, deception. But if, if we are not thankful for that, then dangerous place to be. And number two, because I get to know him, I get to speak about him to you. What an incredible privilege. It's still really difficult for my small brain to understand that God would entrust me to represent him to you tonight. So I just want to say I'm so thankful, privileged, and I just say all the glory goes to the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so recently, more than previously, it, I find people going, oh, cool, no, they believe in Jesus, they don't just don't necessarily believe in the word or all of the word. So guys, then that can be confusing for us when you may be talking to somebody because they say they believe in Jesus but not in the word because how do I engage with you if you don't believe he is who he says he is? So on that note, it's just on my heart to share with you quickly before we go to the main topic for tonight that if you don't believe in the Jesus Christ of the word, if you don't believe in the word of Jesus Christ, you might believe in a Jesus, but you are not believing in the Jesus Christ of the word. Because Jesus is the word made manifest. In John 1.14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as, a, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John 1.14 says that Jesus Christ is the word made manifest. So it's really important that we encourage ourselves and one another to say that the word of God and God, the word who is Jesus and Jesus himself, cannot be separated. Because if we do not stand firm on the truth and something comes to us that's not a truth, it's going to be difficult for us to help that person, to love that person, to pray for them. 
it's going to be difficult to bat confusion if we are confused. So that's why it's so important in community, on our own, to declare over and over, come on, God, the world's screaming a hundred million things at me every day, what it wants me to believe, but this is what I choose. This is what I choose to believe, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Word made manifest, and by the Holy Spirit, I can know Him, and I can introduce others to Him. So that's the truth that we need to encourage ourselves and one another with. So now I, wanna, I want to make a statement and say that the challenge, challenges is not our biggest challenge. If there's a difficult situation, that difficult situation is not your biggest challenge. Your perspective, whether it's godly or not, in the difficult situation, that's your biggest challenge. For those writing it down, if you've got my personality, you'd want to hear that again. So difficult situations, challenges is not our biggest challenge. Whether we've got a godly or ungodly perspective in that challenge, that will be the challenge. And I'm going to give you like a practical example. Let's say I'm swimming in the ocean where I met this chumming. I'm in the ocean and a tide comes and it takes me deeper in. And I'm a little too far away to, to call for help. It's really far. It went really quickly. I start getting a cramp. So now I'm sinking in pain while I'm really far away to call for help. This is my situation. The next moment, along comes a, a life jacket floating along, like straight towards me. The current is also bringing the life jacket. And attached to the life jacket is a whistle, a rescue whistle. That If you blow it, it's like super loud and the lifeguards are trained to hear it. So that's coming towards you, hey? But let's say, because you're a little bit confused and you've had a lot of salt water, you look at it, and in that moment, you don't realize it's a life jacket. You think it's a dangerous animal from the sea or maybe a shark. What's the challenge in that? What's the real challenge in that situation? Okay, let's leave that one. Let's say you in the ocean. No, no, no. A lot of you in your head went, uh-huh. I'm just going to point B. So you're in the ocean, and this amazing life jacket, it comes to you. But before you can properly see what it is, there's this crazy seagull going, ah, ah, the whole time, just above your head. And the whole time, while you're sinking, holding on to the cramp, um, and thinking, I'm praying, I hope they can see me, I'm struggling, what is this? All your attention goes to this crazy bird who's flapping it <clears throat> right above your head. What was the real challenge in that situation? <laughs> hey, Sister Sabir. You guys, deception and distraction is something that the enemy uses even though God's hand is there, even though his body is there. Even though the principles of the word are there for us in difficult situations, how to get out. Very often in those difficult situations, if we do not look with a perspective of godliness, we will not see the way out. Because, because Satan is big. No, uh, Jesus overcame like he like lost at the cross already and Jesus is coming back, he will lose a second time. Um, is it because God is not good? No, I didn't see God's goodness through the life jacket, not because there wasn't a good God that gave the life jacket. The thing is, the enemy uses distractions 
and deception to keep us because the enemy cannot hold us back. He's been overcome. That's what we celebrate today, that when Jesus rose, the enemy was completely disarmed. God is not gonna hold us back because he's the one that made us. He's the one calling us to partner with him, to walk with him. So the only one that can hold us back from running in the things that God has for us is us when we say yes to distractions or deception. But the awesome news is while the enemy is putting up a fight for us to be distracted and deceived, the awesome spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is putting up a fight for us, saying, come on, Marie, come on, friend, come on, Sarah, come on, John, like here's my hand, here's community, here I am, here, here's my body. And the whole time we get to choose, the enemy cannot override our choice. God will also not override our choice. The whole time we've got freedom of choice in these difficult situations. So sometimes things are going really tough and you're in a bad situation because you made bad decisions. You know, like for instance, that ocean, that wasn't like a demon that did something horrible. Like that was a bad decision to swim too deep. You're not in between the two, um, those poles with the flags where the lifesavers say, um, I'm 10 years above that, but thank you. She's guessing me 25. I'll take it. Um, so now, for safety, there's the poles with the flags. So for safety, God gives us guidance. Where's the safe space? Relationally, financially, physically with, with opposite sex. God gives us that. And then sometimes we go out of the flags and we're in a tough spot. Uh, not because... God is not good or the enemy is strong just because we made a bad choice. Sometimes we have a bad or a tough situation because we may be just unrepented sin that we have. Um, example, if I look at porn and horror movies and I struggle the whole time with fear and with lust, it's not because you know, you're in a challenging situation and not because the enemy is strong and not because God is far. No, you just need to repent and turn away from that and that that then has to lose its grip on you because that's what Jesus died for is for freedom, like Sia said earlier. And then sometimes um, stuff is really tough just because we've got a bad attitude because you can be on the beach with the lifesavers there and it's amazing and you're on a holiday, that's why you're lying on the beach and then the wind can blow and the, and the sand can irritate you and you can feel like, this is so tough and I'm so irritated, I'm so frustrated. Why? Because of the sand. Okay, wait, you're on holiday at the beach. It's not raining. The sun is shining. Cape Town sometimes likes rain in December. But you'd have sunshine. But you, that's not awesome for you. Just the, the sucky sand, that sucks for you. Yes. And I have freedom. I have the right. I have the right. Okay. If I want to have a bad attitude about this, I will. Okay. So, but you get my point. Like sometimes something is tough because of our attitude and it wasn't something else. So you guys, there's a place for that. There's a place when, when things are, are really tough and we can do something about it. I can change my attitude. I don't have to be unthankful ever. I can choose that. I, I can choose to repent from the things that are holding me back. I can choose um, if I see there's a struggle over and over again. I can go to somebody and say, hey, pray with me. But maybe there's a bloodline curse. There's something that I didn't do. It's in the family before me. God wants to set you free. There's a lot of things that we can do something about it. But here's the point um, where I'm actually trying to get to. So what I've just said, it's good, it's true. 
I've preached about it. People have preached it to me. I apply this principle. It has changed my life and it's changed other people's life. But here's my question for tonight. What if you are in a really difficult season or situation or there's a relationship or something that you're really struggling with and you have tried repenting, rebuking, forgiving, fasting, praising, surrendering. You've tried all of that. You've got a thankful attitude, a heart of obedience. By faith, you are the whole time obeying the Lord. What if that shift doesn't come? And that's my question tonight. You've praised. You started fasting. You were praying after fasting and rebuked that thing again, you forgave again because you see them, you still get, ugh, you just forgive again. You, that's what you do. You just keep on going like an onion till all the layers are gone. Um, I don't know if there's um, people here maybe struggling with forgiveness and you get frustrated with yourself because you've forgiven them. Oftentimes forgiveness, especially if it was somebody close, if it's somebody I don't know well and they drive over my toe, I come in like, yay, what did you do? I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It was an accident. I just see what are you doing because I got a fright. But if it's somebody close to you and they continuously do things to hurt or harm you um, emotionally in whichever way, then sometimes it's such a challenge to forgive them and the enemy wants you to believe that it's not possible. But that's a lie. Jesus died for us to receive forgiveness and to get it. So I just want to encourage if there's anybody here that you struggle um, to forgive somebody and you think maybe it's not possible, that's just a distraction. That's a deception to keep you from freedom. Because when we forgive, we say yes to freedom. So you just keep on forgiving them and praying a blessing over them. Because that's the way God wants to set us free. And even if it takes a lot of layers over that onion, that's fine. You just keep on going. Just know that God died for you to walk in complete forgiveness, receive his forgiveness, and walk in the place of forgiving others. So we were saying, like, what if your attitude's amazing, you've prayed and fast, and, and something is not changing at all? Something is really tough. You've tried everything and now later you realize now I'm getting super frustrated because this prayer is not being answered or this situation is not shifting. Or this person is just not getting saved or free from alcohol. In fact, they're drinking more than the past. Then discouragement comes to say, oh, but what's it going to help? Why do you keep on praying? This is, never gonna, this is not going to change. It has never changed. Again, what do we say? Distraction and deception of the enemy. If we say yes to those lies, it will keep me from continuing to pray and to trust. But we don't have to listen to that. We can just say, God, your word says I can trust you in everything and there's power and there's life and death in my tongue and I'm just going to release the power of life through the name of Jesus Christ over this situation. So I just want to encourage you with that. So, okay, so now Oftentimes we say, if it's going tough, just praise and worship. Declare who Jesus is when we speak the truth, when we worship him, when we fast, when we repent. Those things then brings the freedom through Jesus Christ. But the question here is, if you do all those things and nothing changes, what then? There's an awesome scripture so, that I'm going to share with you now and a few scriptures I'm going to share in a row. So a while back, I went through um, a really tough time and I kept on adjusting my attitude going, yo, this is really tough and it's starting to be unbearable, but I can choose thankfulness. So I'd be like, God, I'm so thankful. Then I'd be like, okay, cool. Lord, just show me in the dream. Is there anything else that I maybe must still repent of because it's not changing and like the fruit is not nice and this is really tough and I can't do this anymore. And, um, 
God wouldn't say there's something else to repent from. Then, like, I tried everything. And the thing is, then later you are tempted to strive. You're like, I must just try harder. Because the kingdom's going to come if I try harder. Now you're just going to burn out fast and get offended with God quicker. If you turn to your flesh and not to him. So you think, okay, cool, I must just try harder. I must just do more effort. And then you um, think, okay, cool, maybe I'm not thankful enough. Again, the I, the me, myself. Okay, Lord, I am super thankful for these five things that are awesome. These things that are killing me is like really horrible. But um, these five, I'm just so thankful and it doesn't change. Lord, I'm just going to worship you above the situation. Jesus is above the situation. I'm just going to keep on praising you and the situation doesn't change. And I'm like... Lord, I teach this to people like, why is it not helping? Something's not right. I've forgiven. I've asked forgiveness. Um, I'm choosing a not stinky attitude. It smells like rose petals, my attitude, because I choose it every day over and over. What's going on? And um, oh, there's not enough time to go into it, but it was a really place where I was um, really vulnerable and struggling with shame and struggling with hopelessness, although I was declaring truth, although I was worshiping God. And this one day when for the one millionth time I said, I don't understand, God, it's really tough. Like, why is it not changing? I know that you never lie, that you said it's going to change. I know that you never lie, but there's nothing else for me to try or do. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 9, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who with, with, was crying out to God and with tears, to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author and, eter- author and the finisher of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. But the, the part I want to highlight is just, if Jesus is the son of God and he learned obedience to God through the things which he suffered, I said, Holy Spirit, who am I to say that suffering is beneath you? And guys, I'm not talking about a week or two of things not going nice or like falling in love and the person didn't like me back or this or that. It went extremely rough financially in my family, where I was staying and in my work. There was nothing else where it couldn't go rough further. Obviously there were, but I mean, woe is me when you're in that situation. You're like, you can't go any deeper and further, Lord. And then you're like, he can. I take that back. All I'm saying is it's really tough. I can't do it anymore. Um, and it was, it was quite a few months. It was a period of a year where certain things were really tough. And then at a high point, at a super low point, I was just like, I can't. And then the Holy Spirit answered to th- this to me. And such a relief came over me, going, wow. Sometimes something's going to be really hard and really ugly, nasty, gross, sucky, whatever you want to call it. And it's nothing that you did. And it's not because the enemy is this or that. Because in those times when you struggle, you don't have godly perspective in the situation. Satan starts to whisper. I struggled. I had this fear. I was like, why in this area is Satan so strong? Because he was whispering in my ear. Look at me. You are praying and fasting. No shift. 
you're like, your God is so strong, but look at me. And then I'd be like, um, yes, I would look at him and go like, um, why do you have a hold um, on this area? And like fear would creep into my heart. But then when the Holy Spirit reminded me of the word of God that says Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. You guys, Jesus was perfect. He was God's son. And he had to learn it through tough times. And I was just so relieved and encouraged. And you guys, if somebody says they've got a word for you and they speak to you, and even though it's a rebuke and a, and a, a tough word, if you do not feel relieved because there's an outcome, there's a turn away from this, but there's an outcome, there's encouragement, then it might not be from God. Take it to a, another um, believer that's, that's older than you and say, this is what somebody shared with me. Will you, can I share with you? Do you believe this is from God or not? Because God, no matter how tough the word, there's encouragement and relief that comes with it because God will tell you, hey, stop doing this. Stop with your lies. And he'd be like, I want to set you free so you can walk in truth. So there will be a hope. Condemnation comes and says, oh, look at you, you lied again. Oh, no hope for you. I wonder how God feels about you. I wonder if the friends, if they find out in your small group or your mission group, if they know that you just lied now again. That condemnation just points a finger at you in comparison to the Holy Spirit that goes, stop that, that is wrong. It does not lead to life. Here, choose truth. This does lead to life. Come on, you can do it. So there's encouragement towards Jesus when it is him speaking to us. Let's look at other scriptures with regards to Jesus and suffering. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. It's the next scripture. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Is it not there? So Jesus was praying at Gethsemane. He was saying like, um, Lord, please will this cup pass me by? He was asking, can this pass me by? And then he said, but even if it doesn't, your will be done. Like if Jesus had to choose between death and being disobedient, and that was his choice. He said, even if obedience leads to death, I will choose obedience because there's a place because Jesus died he rose, but because Jesus died, we can die to self and live. Because we can speak about, we can ignore the fact that we are called to deny ourselves, to lay down our lives, to die to self, to live for Christ. We can ignore, ignore that part of the gospel and talk about God's goodness and God's awesomeness the whole time, which is true. God is good. He's extremely awesome. He's incredible. He's almighty. He's got such a good heart and dreams and desires towards you that he planned for you before the foundation of the earth, but God is like a diamond. He's got different facets, and we need the whole truth of the word of God for us to walk in freedom. So it's really important that I share tonight with you that you have been called to die so that you can live. That's why Jesus died, so he could live. Through his death and resurrection, we have the option to die to self and to live, and that's a daily choice we have to make over and over. Philippians 2 verse 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The next scripture in Hebrews 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you guys... According to Jesus, there was a joy set before him. That's why he said yes to the cross. 
Why did he say yes to dying? The joy that we could be reconciled to God forever just overrode what he felt. The fear he had, like the, that feeling of saying, God, would you take it away? When he saw that because of his death, all of us would for eternity be able to know the love and the reconciliation of the Father. He said, because of that, I'll do it. So you guys, when we say yes to dying to self, it's not just so I can become more. It's so that God can, through my resurrection life, let me fly, let me run in the purposes that he has for me. Let other people learn to walk, then run, then fly in the purposes that God has for them. God wants to do that through you. There's people in your life that are waiting for you to plug into the heart of God so that because of your fruit, they can get to know him also. There are people around you that are waiting because God uses people in our lives and then he wants us to be used in their lives. And it's not one day when you're a hundred-year-old Christian, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, you can minister to somebody else. You can say to them, hey, do you want to come along that, that place where I told you, that small group or in my room or at church, that place when I said yes to Jesus? Do you also want to say yes? You are able to do that as soon as you do, as, as, as soon as you have said yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you to say, ask Holy Spirit, Lord, who are the people in my life that you want to reach through me, through insignificant, still sucking in a lot of areas, me? Why can God use me? Because I have no areas that suck. No, I've got a lot of areas that myself and especially God still needs to work on, but I'm willing and I'm hungry for God to speak through me. And that's the only reason that he speaks through us. So everybody that's willing, he's got a desire bigger than you to speak through you to other people. Let's look at John 12, verse 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So God is so practical, I love it, that even in nature, he made the principles the same as, spirit, as the spiritual and the, the, the nature and the word what it says in the word. The word says if we die to self, we can live. Jesus had to die so he could live, so we could live. So if we look at nature, unless a little seed dies, you did it like in sub A, sub B, grade two or three, where you take a little bean and you put it in the, the cotton wool with water and it dies and then it sprouts out again. The word says unless we die to ourselves, we cannot start living to the full for Jesus. And it's a daily thing where we need to go like, Jesus, today, who will I live for? Today, who will I live for? How do I know it's a daily thing? Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Then let's go to Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. So the, 
so the author says, Paul says, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So you guys, when we sing a worship song and we've got friends saying to us, listen, there's hope. There's hope because there's Jesus. There's hope in God. Don't stop hoping now. You're singing a song. It's a, like, a, like a melody that you like. So now you're like, there's hope. There's hope in God. I won't let go. You know, you sing it. You're like, whoa, this feels so good. And that's good. There's a place for that. We're supposed to sing and declare and encourage each other saying there's hope in God. But listen to the other side of the coin. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So yes, when it's going well, we praise God. But there's also a place where when it's not going well, we praise Him. But Mariette, um, why, like, why are you going to praise Him when it's not going well if it's maybe a situation where, like you said, sometimes praising Him, it's not necessarily going to change? Such a good question. I'm so glad some of you thought of it, maybe. I'm very analytical, so I'm like guessing like there's one or two analytics like me going, but why do we praise God then if it's not going to change something? So for the last few years now, over and over again, every few months or years, and I thought I'm a fast learner, um, there would be a really um, nasty, unfair situation. And the end of the the really tough um, situation would lead to me seeing what's truly in my heart versus what I thought was there. So let's say I go to Bible school, I get discipled by awesome people, an awesome church like this, which I had the privilege of doing and having. So the surgeons, um, so I start believing, okay, cool, and I start declaring, my worth and my identity is in Jesus Christ. My worth, my identity is in Jesus, what he paid for me, who he says I am, that's who I am. I'm not worthy because you like me, and I'm not unworthy because you don't like me. Amen, that's good preaching. Yes, okay, that's good. But now let's say you go to a situation where according to the world, you should be ashamed and you are not worthy. So there's a situation where the world says, oh, look at you, what's wrong with you? You're such a failure. Whether it's family or friends or just accusations of the enemy. When it's a difficult situation, then for the first time, if I really believe that my worth and my identity is in Jesus, even in the difficult situation, I'd be like, you can go away, accusation. I know that for me, success is to be obedient to God, and I'm obedient to God in this season. That means no matter what shame you try and put on me, I know I'm obedient, so yes, I'm worthy, and I've got identity placed in Jesus. But if that's not 100% what you believe, when those difficult circumstances come, you will be thrown. You'll be like a wave being knocked between the wind and the ocean. And then in that difficult time, when I was a year or two ago, I was couch surfing in Joburg looking for work. So then you meet people and they're like, hi, this is my husband and this is my third child. We stay here and I'm the CEO or the CEO's assistant. What do you do? And you're like, um, I, I'm, I'm looking for work. Yes, in the entertainment industry. Okay, where do you stay? This month with them. Okay, and your husband and kids? Ta-da! 
So during that time, there was just this battle, and I had such unpeace at a stage. It was like September 2017, where for a few days, there was heaviness on me, and I couldn't stop crying, but like on end. And um, there was a heaviness and a hopelessness, a despair. And, um, you know, I was praising, I was worshiping, I was declaring truth, I was going for gold, and for four days, it wouldn't leave. And since I'm a slow learner, at the end of day four, I say to the Holy Spirit, between the Snot and Trana, I was still... Um, with a broom in my hand because I was cleaning where I was staying with friends. And I said to him, why is it not leaving? (laughs) Because I preach and I teach and I apply that when you worship, like sometimes, you know, when you worship God, when you declare the truth, the enemy has to go. And Holy Spirit just says to me gently, the only place the enemy can stay is where he's welcome, where he's got a legal right. And I go, is that part I also teach and preach. And so what does that mean? So the Holy Spirit in that moment showed to me, yes, I said yes to the doctrine with my head. That's good. We have to start here. Whether your little one understands it or not, we don't wait till they can understand what does it mean to say thank you and please. And then you go at the age of 16. Now I'll say thank you to the tani. No, the child can barely crawl. And then we start saying, say please, say thank you. Because it starts here, but there's a place where it shifts down to our heart. And for me, two, three years ago, to my shock, I realized, wait a minute, some of the things are still here, but there was a tiny bit in my heart that said, yes, to whatever the world says is success. Because every day we need to choose, who do I live for? What is my definition of success? Is it to know and obey God? Is it something else? Is it at a certain age, a certain car, a certain amount of family, a certain job, a certain place where you stay? Because if that to you is still your definition of success, the enemy will come and knock you over and distract you and knock you down while you were supposed to run for Jesus and reach out to others. You will be reaching out to yourself and him because you're still believing those lies. But now here's the awesome thing I want to get to. God's goodness allowed that situation so that I could see what was in my heart. I didn't know that was what I believed. I was like shocked. I was like, go Mariette. Like, oh, you've like had this revelation for years, declaring that Jesus, I just want to know you and obey you. I don't care what other people say. I just want to know you. I just want to obey you. I don't care what other people say. And I'm not going to care what they say tomorrow. I just want to know you and I want to obey you. And that's that's awesome. And then God says, okay, let me take, a little de- take it a little deeper. So oftentimes, there's going to be difficult situations, stuff that's really horrible. And afterwards, because that thing, that situation brought to the forefront what was actually so deep in your heart, you couldn't see it. You could decide, do I surrender this to God? Do I give the ashes and, and receive his beauty in the place? Or do I hold on to this? So God's goodness does lead us to repentance, is what the word says. But sometimes stuff is really tough, and it's not because God doesn't like you, it's not because you're a failure, it's just certain situations is all that's gonna be able to show us what's really in our heart. And then afterwards, we'll be like, oh, praise God, (laughs) because his goodness allowed this. And I'm not saying God is sending bad stuff um, to you, 
But the word of God says he makes all things work together for good for those who love him, called according to his purpose. In other, way, in other words, Satan is like, I'm going to bring something sucky. Oh, yes, I'm going to steal from them. They're going to be so, you know, hopeless. And, and hopefully they will, like, believe me when I say stop trusting God. And then God uses that very arrow that Satan sent against you. And he turns it around. Because sometimes that arrow was the only thing that could show me what was in my heart. And then I could bring it to God and I could receive deliverance. I could receive his love, his affirmation, him setting me free. So after the four days of extreme heaviness and crying and like super most people, um, I asked that to the Holy Spirit. He says to me, this heaviness, this demonic thing, it's only welcome where it's got legal right. And I go, what do you mean? And he shows me, even if it's that small, there was a little part of my heart that still believed success isn't obedience to God. It's the stuff in the world. As he showed it to me, and I immediately responded in repentance going, ew, no, I don't believe that. God, there's one thing I believe. Obedience for me, what I choose is to know you and to point people to you. And that heaviness left immediately, never to return again. It's 2019, people. Yes, I mean, Jesus is awesome and he sets us free. He's just waiting for us to go, Lord, like what now? The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to ask him, how must you pray? Must you fast? Is it not a fast issue? Is it a, is it a word issue? Are you struggling to apply the principles of the word? Either way, the, the whole time the Lord is with us, wanting to set you free, wanting through you to set other people free. That's what Jesus died for. So God's goodness brings us to repentance. And um, I want to end off with this. And that is that maybe you're sitting here and you can't relate to what I'm saying. You're not going through a tough time then that's super duper fi fine. I wanted to serve five because my head was at already at high five to you. I'm glad it's going well. Um, but we are in community and around us, even though it's going well with you, there might be people that are really struggling. And God wants to equip us, not just for us, but for them. Like I've said like 28 times tonight, I'll say it another 28 times if I can, because I'm, the whole time I'm so surprised and how often, how more, more often than not, God wants to reach out through us and we just didn't know because we get intimidated by people's hurt. Sometimes it's intimidating if somebody is confused and starting to question the word and then we get fearful. But the thing is, if we love people, their hearts will be open to hear from us. If we love people, their hearts will open up to hear from us. But I can't expect somebody that I'm not willing to love, just be interested in who they are, how's, who's their family, what are their challenges, what are their dreams. That's being interested, that's loving somebody. But if I can't be interested in them like that, who am I to say, oh Lord, please let them repent of their sins and run to me first so I can do a sinner's prayer with them. I want them, yeah, to come to you, Lord. Yes, but God loves, God's motivation is love. So we need to go, Lord, you need to show me, Lord, what is, how can I love this person? And from that place, when we love people, their hearts will open up to hear the truth of Jesus Christ for their salvation. So if you're not going through a tough time, that's awesome. Then you are now set and ready to go and love people that are going through a tough time because I want to um, share this with you. 
I was standing in Shofar Cape Town about two, three weeks ago, and during the, um, the worship, God gave me this word. And as he gave it to me, he said, I want you to share this um, whenever you can or wherever you can. So this is like the fourth time I'm going to share this part I'm sharing with you now. And that is that I want you to imagine a roller coaster. Hey, you, there's no like roller coasters. Don't like get off the tracks or, you know, to rest or so. It's always on the tracks, just going and going. So for the roller coaster to go, you know, on a downhill, it has to go through a little uphill. You know, it goes up and then it goes down. But the hectic, the hectic uphill where the downhill is the highest, where the free fall, where it's crazy, that uphill, sometimes in life, the uphills are higher and longer than the other uphills, the challenging times. And sometimes you'll be in that roller coaster and it will feel like it's not going to end. It's tough. This thing you're trusting for is tough. This thing is not shifting. You have tried. You have given up. You've surrendered. But it's still this hectic uphill. And in this time when you are vulnerable and at a low point because you're struggling, the enemy starts going, maybe you should just get up and get out. Maybe you should just walk away. No, man, you've tried this long enough. Just give up. Or maybe your friend is stuck in that uphill and God wants you to encourage them. And Satan goes, no, man, you've encouraged enough. Just walk away. Why don't you walk away? Why don't you just leave it? Give up. You've like tried hard enough. But the Lord says the uphill is the setup for the downhill. So I don't know if there's some of you here tonight. It might be a life situation or areas in your heart where there's uphills and you are struggling to believe what God has promised you. You are struggling to keep on holding on to hope for those things. But God says the uphill is that setup. He's going to use that very uphill for the downhill. If we look at the word, if we look at around us, I mean, David, when Goliath came, when Goliath came before David pitched up and Goliath said, ha, I laugh at you. I'm going to break you to pieces. Do you think anybody was excited about that? Oh, this is so exciting. Did you hear? There's a giant who wants to eat us all for dinner and for lunch. Yes, skinny people will be for dessert. Yes. No, nobody was excited. People were fearful for their lives, for their family, for their kids. What happened? That uphill, that was the setup for the testimony of a little boy that would come, that would fear God more than the world. And that, that uphill was a setup for a testimony of a downhill for David. If we look at um, Angus Bachan, who of you have seen the, the movie or read the book, Faith Like Potatoes? So there was a drought for those who don't know, and he didn't know what to do. And with farming, sometimes one more, um, one more crop where it's not going to work out, you will lose your farm. You will lose your whole business, your livelihood. So he didn't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit says to him, even though it's a drought, I want you to go plant the potatoes in the ground just by faith. Not because of what you see, but what you see in your heart, what you believe. And he planted it. And after no rain giant, beautiful potatoes came out. Massive testimony, massive downhill. But what was before the downhill? An extreme uphill where if he missed the Lord, it would have been hectic. But that's the thing. And now I want to end off with this. With Jesus Christ, Satan said, you know what? I'm just going to kill him before he can bring the kingdom of heaven down. Because the prophecies had been saying the whole time before, the, before Jesus came, prophecy said, Listen, he's going to come and he's going to be the king. It's the king of the Jews. He's coming to set you free. 
And Satan was like, no, wait, we can't, you know, have him set people free. Um, let, let's murder him. So a, a spirit that was not of God through the Pharisees, the Pharisees, <laughs> Pharisees, um, kept on saying he's a liar, crucify him, he's blaspheming. So, uh, so they were lying about Jesus, basically, to get him to be extremely tortured pieces of his flesh being plucked from his back as they hit him with instruments that would grab hold of the flesh and remove it. Tortured and then murdered because of lies. So this is like, you know, before he rises, I mean, the people following was like, this is horrible, what's happening? But because of that extreme uphill, the downhill of all downhills came. And because of Jesus Christ saying, because of that joy set before me, I will endure this cross. If I know the people sitting here on April 21st, 2019, those faces sitting here, if I take this cross and it means those faces, those people amongst all the others can know God and can be free to know the love of my father through me, then I'll do it. I'll take it. So I want to encourage you, whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, when there's an uphill, Turn your gaze to Jesus. Turn your eyes to God, saying, Lord, this challenge is here so that a testimony can come, so you can be glorified. And whether the change comes immediately because you're praying and fasting, and whether it doesn't shift, and there's a suffering, there's something that takes place that you don't understand, don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Listen to the word of God that says, even if it's not going to be a massive testimony now, but it's going to be a bit later, because Jesus, like you, we learn obedience through those things that are sometimes so challenging that we, that we say we're suffering. But God is so good, and he is, to, he is here tonight, and he wants to bring new hope. I don't know where you are with your roller coaster, whether it's up or down, whether it's you're just like a small bolter, you know, small up and downs, but God is here tonight, and he wants to bring new hope, and, he, and a lot of us, we struggle with condemnation, saying, but I'm obviously not trying hard enough, that's why there's not victory, but sometimes you're still just on that uphill, that's the only reason, and you're doing nothing wrong, but God wants to set you free from condemnation tonight, he wants to give you more hope, if you feel like it's been like six years of downhills, hallelujah, God wants to equip you, whether you're on an up or downhill, to celebrate other people's downhills, and whether you're up or downhill to encourage those that are going on an uphill. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.